There is nothing I love more than an amazing meal with high quality meat cooked at home because let's be honest, eating out is so expensive. And you also know that eating out is the number one budget buster. That is why I am so glad I found ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service dedicated to delivering high quality, grass fed and grass finished beef, organic chicken, pork raised crate free and wild caught seafood directly to your doorstep with free shipping always. You even get exclusive member deals, recipes, and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code ETM and get $20 off your first box at ButcherBox.com. Last night, we made a beef stew with meat from ButcherBox, and you can taste the difference. It was so satisfying and delicious. And all of our friends that were over for a dinner party, they raved at how good it was. So do yourself a favor and eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips, for free in every order for a year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm and use code etm to choose your free offer and get $20 off. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. What is your money voice telling you? Too often our money voice whispers that you'll never get out of debt or we'll never be financially secure or all these other untruths. Listen, friend, there is secret power in your money voice, and it might just be the key to helping you get good with your money. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week... Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. If you're an avid listener of other money podcasts, which you should be, you've probably heard Tiffany Aliche on a show or two. (laughs) She is a gifted money educator and is virtually everywhere. Tiffany is known as the Bajanista. She's host of the Brown Ambition podcast, creator of the Live Richer Challenge, and is the author of a New York Times bestselling book, Get Good With Money. And Tiffany and I have crossed paths so many times in the past, but this is her first time on the Millennial Money Podcast, and wow, we are so glad to have her. This is one of those episodes you're going to want to bookmark and come back over and over and over again because Tiffany shares some really important money lessons from her book, Get Good With Money, including her 10 Steps to Financial Wholeness. And she also helps you break down what your money voice is and the role it's playing in your financial success. So grab a beverage and get ready to dig deep into your finances. Here we go. I have had the complete pleasure of watching you as a a spectator over the last (laughs) few years, the Live Richard Challenge, really stepping into the Bajanista, and you're educating just millions of people around the world about financial literacy. So as a fan myself, I just want to say thank you for all that you do. You're really doing incredible work, and I'm sure you hear it all the time, but I just wanted to personally thank you to start out. 
Well, I honestly, I appreciate it because, you know, sometimes you're just like home and you're just working in a bubble in your yeah. pajamas. <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes you don't know, you know, you're like, is it, is it working? Is it helping? And every once in a while, you know, you get feedback that just reminds you like, yes, keep going. People are being served. Yeah, especially in the virtual world, right? And being podcasters as well. You're like, you are speaking in your pajamas in a closet sometimes or in a room and you just have no idea. It's, it's, you know, people are listening, but it's just this really weird thing. No, exactly. And so, I mean, I, I, because I've been working digitally before, you know, pandemic and quarantine. So my team is all digital. And so especially it's, it just gets hard to tell, you know, whether you're making an impact, but then I get so many lovely messages from folks who are like, you know, I was able to buy my car. Um, a, a few people have hit me up that they went from homeless to homeowner. I'm like, what? Wow. I know. Those are the ones that really hit me. Or I remember a woman saying um, that she always thought she was going to have to finance everything for her new baby. And she's like, we were able to get her crib and we didn't have to put it on a credit card. And I just cannot, I can't imagine as like a new parent how yeah. that must have made her feel. And so, yeah, it just feels good. That's the thing I really love about teaching like, you know, there's this sneaky little selfishness about teaching because you get to live on forever through the people that you've served, you know? So yeah. it's like, if I, when I used to teach preschool, I used to think to myself, I just taught Jonathan how to tie his shoe. So now when he teaches his kid how to tie his shoe and that kid teaches his kid, I get to live on forever through the shoe tying. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I love it. I love it. Well, you wrote this this like amazing book called Get Good With Money. I love the title, by the way. That's so awesome. And and I'm curious to start out, you know, what do you think gets in the way of most of us really getting good with money? So if we're talking specifically women, for sure, it's confidence, but not capability. You know, that I see that a lot with the women that I serve. Like, they'll be like a neurosurgeon. They're like, oh, I don't know about this budgeting thing. I'm like, really? Because you just did brain <laughs> surgery yesterday. I kind of think that's harder. <laughs> yeah. And we're talking about men. Um, sometimes I find that, you know, um, men have a hard time asking for help because oftentimes they're expected to just know. Right. And if they don't know, they're like, well, who do I go to for help where I'm not going to feel judged? So, you know, people get held back by kind of internal and external pressures, and it, it prevents them from moving forward. It's so interesting. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious, like, particularly with women, this confidence issue, you talk about the, the brain surgeon, and I hear that a lot. You know, when I was working with clients one-on-one, it was the same sort of uh, tendencies of being nervous. They're not sure how to do this. Is is it just inherently built in with money that we have, um, I don't know, we have these fears and anxieties because we don't really talk about money with anyone? Well, I just think it's also too that we have been brought up. So you have to ask yourself, right, how was money spoken about in your household? So was it always from a place of stress, from a place of lack, you know, from a place of deprivation? Was it spoken about positively, even if you didn't have much, about hopefully? So you get your first kind of money voice from home. You know, mm, you, yeah. you either inherit that or sometimes we inherit it and then some of us reject it, but reject it so much so we go to the extreme. You know, so for me, I got really good, a really great money voice from my parents. My father was a CFO and an accountant. My mom was a nurse, but they talked to us about money, even though we didn't grow up with much because I'm one of five girls and anybody with kids know, I don't know how you could be wealthy with five kids. You just can't. <laughs> I don't even know. As an adult now, you know, at the time, I didn't think anything was like, you know, I'm like, whatever, I have four sisters. But right. now as an adult... I always ask my mother, how did you do it? How did you do it? Because when I babysit my niece and nephew, I'm like, where's your mother? Because <laughs> they're five and three. And we're all two years apart. So can you imagine? So yeah. anyway. Everybody's always needing something, right? Yes. I mean, you move from one to the next, to the next, to the next. Yeah. Yes. And then so, but, but, but despite not having a ton of money, I never felt like we were poor. I never felt like, you know, it was never, you can't get that. You know, we don't have it. It was always like, um, either we're working toward it 
or um, here's why that's not essential, or we've decided instead to do this other fun thing. So we know, Mm -hmm. you know, like we don't do both of these fun things, you know? And so, so, but I inherited that good money kind of like voice. And then I made, I decided to ignore that voice. And well, actually maybe it was my optimism from that voice. And I decided to invest with an air quotes friend of mine. And as a result, he left me $35,000 in credit card debt. And meanwhile, wow. I just bought a condo. I was like in my mid-20s. I bought a condo. It was $220,000. So I had a mortgage. And I just finished my master's. And it left me in um, $52,000 of um, student loan debt. So almost $300,000 in debt. And then a few years later, the recession hit and I lost my job. And so I actually learned a new money voice as a result of all that trauma. So all the good things I'd learned from home literally like left and it was like money is fearful, money is scary. At any moment in time, it could be taken from you. You could be tricked at any moment in time. You can't trust it to be invested. You have to save every penny of it. And so it took me years to undo that voice despite growing up with a positive money voice. So sometimes our money voices are, yes, inherited from home, but sometimes we learn them due to our situation and circumstances. Either way, you want to be conscious of how you think and feel about money so you can choose the voice that you want to move forward with. And how do you change a money voice? Like, how did you go through the process of realizing, okay, my money voice now is is not really what I want it to be? And how do you untangle that? So it's one of the mindset is such a critical component. I made it the first chapter of Get Good With Money, the book, because so and this is one of the activities that one, you have to you have to practice pausing and acknowledging the voice. So it might be something. So every time I spend money, it took me a while to realize because I said, Tiffany, you're not investing. You have all this money saved. You're terrified, even though you make way more money now than you did when you were a preschool teacher. You weren't scared as a preschool teacher making thirty nine thousand dollars. A year, but you're scared as a business owner making thirty nine thousand dollars a month. Yeah. So I'm like, so at first you have to almost like acknowledge, like, wait, something's not right here, because I'm like, I don't remember feeling like this when I made much less. So I don't think it's about the money I'm making. That's what I told myself at first. Well, you just you're just nervous because you know maybe you're not making as enough to feel like secure. And I'm like, mm, that's not true because you're making literally ten times what you used to make, and when you were feeling secure. And then I said, well, what are, what's going through my head, Tiffany? So I started to practice pausing when I was going to buy something and asking myself, what are you thinking and feeling? You know, like, um, you know, I want to go on vacation. Uh, that's really expensive. But what am I really saying? Because I'm saying to myself, Tiffany, that's really expensive. But a friend of mine just told me she was going on vacation. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> so is vacation only expensive when it comes to me? Because I know my friend's finances because we worked on them. And I know I make more than her. So why is it, oh, yes, for her? But that's really expensive for you, Tiffany, when she's got two kids and you know she's financially sound and you don't have any children yet and you make more. So what are you saying? It's too expensive for you. Oh, you are not. You are not worthy to have that thing. Your friend deserves good things, but when it comes to you, you don't deserve good things. Mm -hmm. So I had to really start asking myself, what was I really saying? And what it came down to was I was still mad at myself for making those mistakes. So I was punishing myself by saying, I'm not worthy to have those things. You still have to pay penance. And I was like, wow, once I realized that, that like, I was like, no, Tiffany, you, you can't have that thing. Remember that time you lost all that money to the scam? No, no, no. You can't be trusted. And I'm like, Tiffany, you're still punishing yourself almost 10 years later. And once I realized that my money voice wasn't just saying we can't afford, that's not what it was saying. It was saying you don't deserve. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. So I recognized that I could not work through that by myself. So I hired my own certified financial planner because I needed someone to help me work through like the the technical components that my emotional self could not work through. Like I knew I should invest and I knew how to invest, but I needed someone to say, okay, we meet every Monday or we meet every month. And so did you transfer that money over? We're going to put it here. You know what I mean? So that helps significantly because um, although I knew how, I needed the handholding. And it's okay. This is why we read books. This is why we listen to podcasts. This is why you watch YouTube videos. This is why maybe you hire someone. It, it's, it's, there's power in acknowledging, you know, I want you to celebrate the awareness like, oh, 
I've got an unhealthy money voice. It's good. It's good that I notice this versus allowing it to flow. And so as a result, I know that I don't know how to undo this by myself. So I'm going to seek help in this way. And like I said, help might be a podcast. You know, I have a podcast called Brown Ambition, right? Help might be, you know, a book, Get Good With Money. Help might be, um, I have a Facebook page called Dream Catchers Live Richer with the Budget Nista. There are almost... 500,000, mostly women, they're helping each other with their finances. So help doesn't have to be that you hire someone, but it's definitely introducing a new healthy voice to help you walk through to where you want to be. I really love that because somebody else can see your story from a different perspective and is able to help you really put puzzle pieces together. I think in a way that sometimes we're just so locked in our own story, we can't kind of get out of our own way to mm-hmm. see past it. So I, I love that you share that. I think it's it's so important to not be afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the through lines that, that really resonated in the book, which I really want to talk about, I think it piggybacks onto what we were just talking about, was you call the the d- dirty truth behind financial freedom and why instead it's really about financial wholeness and that mm-hmm. you say this is really what will set you free. Tell us a little bit about this idea of financial wholeness. I know you have 10 steps in in the book that you talk about, but what is this and how do we how do we get there? So, so financial freedom, it's not a bad thing. That's an awesome thing, meaning that you have enough money that you don't have to work anymore for money, that your money is working for you. And so people think that, and I thought that too, that once I reached financial freedom, I would be good to go. And then I reached financial freedom and I was like, I'm not good to go. (laughs) No, I'm not not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. (laughs) Yes. And so I was like, so what's wrong, Tiffany? And I knew that there were components of my life, my financial life that they were still missing. And so when I hired Anjali, she's my, my certified financial planner, I realized, wait, I don't have enough insurance. I don't have an estate plan. I don't have a... So I realized that financial freedom was just one, a major aspect, a major goal in your financial life. And I also realized that financial freedom is kind of inclusive. So many of us won't reach that, not in time for us to fully enjoy it. So it didn't feel good teaching to something that most people were not going to reach, you know, before 65 or 70, you know, but financial wholeness is when these 10 core aspects of your financial life work together. So it's budgeting and savings, then debt, credit, learning to earn, investing for both retirement and wealth, insurance, your net worth, then your financial professionals, and then estate planning. Those are the 10 components. And I realized that the reason why I knew internally, like something's not right, I'm financially free, I have enough money not to work, but I didn't know, I didn't have a term for it until I realized I'm like, I'm not holistically where I want to be financially. I'm like, oh, Tiffany, let's call this financial wholeness. These 10 things are not working together. Although I had most of the things, I didn't have the insurance. I didn't have the estate plan. And I didn't have all the financial professionals that I needed. So I was about 70% financially whole, but 30% were, were still in the wind. Like I'll give you an example, like, um, Prince. So the artist formerly known as, you know, Purple Rain, right? So we all can say, yes, Prince was financially free. He owned the masters to his music. It was used in commercials. This man was wealthy, 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 but he knew he was passing away and he was texting his friends, make sure this money goes to this person, make sure this thing goes to, he didn't have an estate plan. He didn't have a will. He didn't have a trust. So when he passed, the only living member of his family that was still left is his sister. Now, that's not a bad thing, but the thing is, Prince used to give a lot of money to music and art programs because they, they saved him. Now, all of that money and the state now belongs to his sister. What if she doesn't want to give him, uh, money to those music and art programs? And they, they came to depend on Prince for those music and art programs. And so now what, what, what will they do? So Prince was financially free, but he was not financially whole. And so what I love about financial wholeness is that everyone can achieve financial wholeness because an estate plan for Prince looks like a will, beneficiaries, a trust. It looks like all of this fancy stuff. But an estate plan for, say, preschool teacher Tiffany when I was 22 was putting my mother on my bank account as a beneficiary. 
that's plenty. Yeah. So you see, like financial wholeness can literally grow with you. It's attainable by everybody and anybody, depending on where, no matter where you are, how much you make, what you do for a living. Financial wholeness adjusts to you. It's just that it's still these 10 things, but based upon where, where you are in life is how these 10 things show up for you. And I'm so glad you, know, you so. yeah, you, I'm so glad you talked about that because I know from, from working with clients, being a certified financial planner, that people tend to think, well, I don't have enough for a will, or I don't have enough for life insurance or an estate plan. I'll worry about that later. But all of us have stuff. All of us have yes. desires and wishes. And, you know, we've accumulated stuff as as we've gotten older, no matter what income we we have. And so I think the idea of of reaching out a hand to people and saying financial wholeness is for all of us. It's not just yes. for someone making a million dollars or whatever that number is that we think somehow is, um, you know, somebody who needs an estate plan and a will. We all need these things. We might need them mm-hmm. at different stages. Yes. But I love that because I think that that really then, like I said, it stretches that arm out to all of us. Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. Earnin does. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So, how would you spend the money you get from Earnin? Well, Honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling, you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash T-O-S for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news, well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps, but I just didn't find one I liked until I found Monarch. And I've got to tell you a secret. Monarch is so easy to use with a very intuitive design. You can even collaborate with your partner and you can customize Monarch for whatever your needs are. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Let's go back to the collaboration bit. Because we know money is a leading cause of divorce and breakups, Monarch has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. You can see all your finances, make a budget together, get insights on your cash. Yes, cue the confetti. There will literally not be any more arguments over money. And if you've been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, or rarely updated, so was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch has a tool that allows you as well to easily import your data from Mint. You can keep all of your tags and all of your categories. After trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. We have an Ask Shauna, and this one comes from Susie. And Susie says, hi, Shauna. First off, I want to say I love your podcast. I've learned so much from listening over the past couple of years. I always share your podcast with anyone who loves to learn about money. My name is Susie, and I'm 28. I recently moved from LA to Seattle. I was offered a job opportunity and decided to make the move. I only had $3,000 saved in my savings account, and I took a leap of faith. So far, everything is good, but I feel a little bit disorganized with my finances. I'm saving, paying off debt, paying my bills on time, and now I want to start investing soon. I came to the conclusion that I might need a financial advisor, someone to help me meet my monthly financial goals and stay on track. Who or where can I go for this assistance? If you have any recommendations, please let me know. Well, Susie, first, congrats on that move. That is so awesome. I have eyed Seattle as a potential place to move to for quite a while, but... (laughs) You got to tell me how the weather is because that is my main concern being a sun-loving person. I love the sun. I don't mind the cold as long as the sun is out. And I'm not sure I'd get very much of that in Seattle, but gosh, it is so beautiful up there. Uh, It just blows my mind, the beauty. And I love the ocean. I love anything about water, particularly after losing the hearing in my left ear. I have chronic tinnitus, which is like the worst buzzing TV static sound you could ever hear. But mine is 24-7, <laughs> nonstop for the last two and a half years in my left ear. So it's like this irony. I can't hear sound, but I can hear all of that. Anyway, the point is when I'm around ocean or water, my tinnitus gets so much better. And so I just have been really surveying all of the places that have water that are maybe a little bit more affordable than LA. But I'm really excited for your move. And I I really think, I love that you shared taking a leap of faith because so many times we can look at the numbers and think the numbers maybe don't make sense or maybe it's not enough. But if we feel that stirring inside of us, taking a leap, I think, is a really good thing. It just reminds us that we're alive. So I love that you shared that. And I think your question about working with a financial professional is amazing too, because it shouldn't be something that you consider when you're making a million dollars or whatever that number is for you, or when you have all your your ducks in a row. Too too often we think, well, we can't hire a financial person because we don't know all of the money questions and we don't have everything lined up, but that's actually the best time to hire a, a financial planner because they can really help you see all the puzzle pieces, answer your questions. But really, a a financial advisor is trained to look at all of the bits and pieces and also to take in part your goals and, and to say, okay, let's take it all apart and let's put it all back together. So it really works to help you achieve those goals. And I, of course, always suggest working with a certified financial planner like myself. I really do. Certified financial planners, we've had to become ninjas in all things finance, and we're also held to a high ethical standard. So what that means is we're always going to put you first, not us. It's not how much we make, any of that. It's it's can we do the best for you? And now I think every financial advisor should think of money that way, but unfortunately, That doesn't always happen, right? So I would say look for a certified financial planner. And a a couple of places to start that I would really suggest. The best place is the CFP Certified Financial Planning website. You can go right to cfp.net 
I will put this link in the show notes as well. And in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a link that says find a CFP professional in your area. So you just go in, say what city you live in or what country. We have CFPs all around the world. And you can find some people locally in your area. And I would say talk to maybe two or three people. Like look for somebody who's the right fit, who really jives with your personality, with your goals, the way you like to work as well. Another great place is called xyplanningnetwork.com. So XY Planning is, is a group of CFPs also primarily around the United States that uh, are CFPs that work with clients. So that's another place to check. But between those two places, you're going to find a good list of CFPs that you can contact. And uh, again, just find somebody that you feel good with because you can hire a CFP to do lots of things. They can do a full-blown financial plan. Doesn't maybe sound like what you need at this point in time, or you could just hire someone for a couple of money questions or maybe a couple hours of their time, maybe to help you put together a budget or to help you come up with an investing plan. So most CFPs are a little nimble and they can work with you in lots of different ways. But again, I'm so glad you brought up this question because it's, I can't emphasize it enough that you don't have to wait until everything's perfect to work with a financial planner. And a financial planner is not there to judge you. They're not there to say, oh my gosh, you spent how much is Starbucks or you're eating out and you're doing what? They're not there to do that. What they are there to do is say, okay, what are your goals? Let's look at your money. Let's look at everything and let's figure out how we move you closer to those goals. So thank you so much, Susie. And listen, if you have an Ask Shauna, it's easy. Just head right to the show notes, click the Ask Shauna link, fill out your question. If you want to stay anonymous, that's good as well. But I would love to get your question answered as well. It didn't sit well with me to teach a thing that all students could not have access to, you know, yeah. like I just, it just didn't sell. Cause I used to think to myself, okay, to Tiffany, you're good, quote unquote, not really. I realize now, but <laughs> you're financially free, but you got here by some random way. Oh, you know, the recession happened and then I was good at budgeting cause I grew up learning how to, you know, how to manage my money. And then I helped my friends. And then all of a sudden, you know, like, because I used to do volunteer work, the United Way said, Hey, you want to do a financial education class for us? And then social media became a big thing. So I leaned into it. And then I started, how can I lead somebody down that path? <laughs> you know, cause like, there's no new, like, I can't say, well, if you want to get, you know, you want to be like me, like magically start a business when there's a recession that's a perfect recession business because it's literally a financial education business magically start that business magically start it right when social media is starting to grow so that way you can grow on the tail end of it and yeah there you go you will you will have a multi-million dollar business and you will be financially free i just like literally it used to keep me up like um some days because i would think to myself how do I teach someone to get to where I am, but in a way that's actually doable? And so, you know, I rejected that you had to be an entrepreneur in order to be okay right. with your finances. Like, you know, how do you get good with your money without having to have these extreme circumstances? And that's why I'm so excited about Get Good With Money, the 10 simple steps to becoming financially whole, because it means that everybody, like I can literally see 21-year-old Tiffany being like, yes, I can do this. You know, like insurance for 21-year-old Tiffany, literally, she's probably like, well, I don't own anything. I don't have anything. You know, um, you know, it might be she has like, you know, health insurance, obviously, but she probably was still under her parents then, you know, and so that might have been enough for her. But then Tiffany, you know, at 41, I've got life insurance. Of course, I've got health insurance, but I've also have insurance for my businesses. So it, it it's grown up with me, my need for insurance. And both 21-year-old Tiffany and 41-year-old Tiffany will learn how to do that and get good with money. And that really makes my teacher's heart smile because it <laughs> means that all students get to be serviced. Yes, I love it. We'll be bringing you the apple. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you talked about starting your business during a recession. And obviously, we all lived through a crazy year and a half. We've seen the wealth divide grow even deeper. So many people have lost businesses, jobs, incomes. And then we have the other side. So many people have profited tremendously 
off the pandemic or just uh, the stock market, the economy, whatever it might be. You know, I, I'm curious, how can we change things as a society, as people to really ensure that that no matter race, gender, income, background, we all can really learn these financial concepts that we, we should have been taught really early on. We just aren't in this country for some, for some reason. How, how can we really change this? Well, the truth is it has to start in the school system as well. So I was fortunate to partner with Assemblywoman Angela V. McKnight in the state of New Jersey, and we worked together to write a bill that's now the law, the budget needs to law, it's law A1414, making financial education mandatory for middle schools in the state of New Jersey. We already had a law in place for high school, and now we're actually working on one for elementary school. So I think there's 21 states in the United States that have laws for high school students learning financial education because it's critically important. It has to be integrated into your life as early as possible. So we normalize talking about money. I don't want the first time you hear about credit that you're 18 and you're in your college, you know, college dorm room trying to figure out should you apply for a card. I would love for you to start to learn about credit in a way that's age appropriate in middle school. So by the time you get to college, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this already. (laughs) You know, like I've been here before. I've done that. So you can make decisions based upon prior knowledge, not just guessing because your parents are not around or your guardian is not around. So I think that's one is that we have to make financial education accessible. One of the easiest way to do so is to do so through through schools and through students and, and through curriculum. Um, another thing is like what you're doing now. You have this awesome podcast, you know, like the more people that know should share because there's going to be an audience that's like, oh my gosh, Tiffany, like uh, my, my podcast, Brown Ambitions, my friend Mandy. Oh my gosh, I, you know, I love the tone of your podcast, but we talk like about money, but also about career and things like that. And so like, um, so that might suit them, but then there are going to be some people who are like, no, you know, I'm a millennial and I really want to listen to the millennial money podcast because, you know, it, it really speaks to me. And then some people, it might be a, a guy and they're like, oh, I really love I don't know, earn your leisure. I think that's a, a, like a, these two guys, you know? Yeah. So I think that, that also for us adults who are kind of already out here, that the more, the more folks who, who understand financial education, um, from high end to trading options and stocks and, and real estate investing to, to beginners to how to budget, how to save, I, more of us need to be given space to have our voice be heard because as you know, the financial education landscape has largely been male. Yes. You know, and they've really have like kind of blocked out our voices. But thankfully, I'm seeing that change, you know, because um, I was reading the study that said that women in particular make up to 70 percent of the choices in a household and the financial choices. So if women are struggling making financial choices, the whole family struggles. Yeah. You know, it's really, whole, yeah, it's such a, you know? it's such an amazing statistic when you think about it. And then you think about the wage gap. I mean, yes. I mean it's just all the numbers are just so out of proportion. <laughs> yeah, it's really just like, I think it's, it's, it's legislation. I think it's education. Um, and I think it's accessibility. You know, yeah. I always say that the three ways that I tried to make sure that I dispense financial education and help to transform and teach folks is through knowledge, access, and community. Those are my three bullets. I'm always asking myself, is that what's happening here? So knowledge is the actual lesson itself. You know, like, does this book, does this podcast, does this online school, you know, am I, am I dispensing knowledge here? Then access, what I do with access is through people. Because what I found is that there are some doors that cannot be opened on the outside. Someone on the inside that knows has to let you in. So I like to go on podcasts like Millennial Money. I like to to do people's lives with them, you know, because I like to bring my audience along so they can find someone new to listen to. I always tell people, I'm not your financial guru. <laughs> I'm your financial girlfriend. And what do girlfriends do? Oh my gosh, this is where I get my hair done. You want to come? Oh my gosh, this is where, you know, I find the best, like, you know, like, bread, fresh bread, like girlfriends put you on to something new and amazing that they've, they've connected with, right? So access is critically important because I don't know all the things and I'm not meant to know all the things, but I'm meant to share with you people who know more than me in different subject matters, especially financially. And last but not least community. I think that we work best in community 
That's why I have my Facebook group. And it's totally free because I want people to connect together because I'm not a single mom. So you might have a question that's very specific to your circumstance. And there's someone else that's like, I got this, Tiffany, tag me in. Okay, girl, what you need to do is, and I'm like, yes, you know, I'm not a dad. I'm not a man. So you might need to hear from a guy like, yeah, I know exactly how you're feeling about asking for a raise at work. This is what you should do. So knowledge, access, and community, those are the three points of um, of contact I try to make when teaching financial education to make it last, stick, and transform. Yeah, I love it. Those are so important because none of us have all the answers. That's why we all need each other. And I think we need to realize that more, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that none of us have the exact right answer for you for your money question. We can all give you some guidance and some input and some thoughts. And then, you know, you take it all and and shape it into what works for you. Uh, I'm curious, have you had any aha moments over the last like year and a half COVID pandemic time about your own money as anything like transformed for you? Yes, I will say this. So I said that 2020 was like the year that the boat that we've all been building, we've all been building this financial boat, but now some people have not built it at all. So when it was time to push it in to the water in 2020, some people were like, I don't have a boat. Some people's boat wasn't finished. Some people's boats were lopsided. Some people's boats were not waterproof or they had holes in it. Either way, we got to see how ready we were for this flood. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I had a boat. And because of what happened in 2008, 9, 10, during that recession, I had I fixed the boat based upon what I knew I needed from that recession. So I pushed it into the water. It didn't flood. It was, you know, it was well shaped. I said, okay, but it didn't go as fast as I would like because what I didn't do was learn the next level of investing. Mm. Like, you know, I'm like, there's nothing wrong. I'm like, I, I, I'm all for buy and hold, but I'm like, Tiffany, you know, you have a little extra money to be a little more risky over here. And I didn't really like individual stocks are not really my thing. And I wish I could have taken a, a little bit more advantage with like excess money, but I didn't want to do something that I had not spent the time learning about. And I realized that was the one little chip in the boat was like, okay, Tiffany, you had not um, fortified yourself and, and learned more about next level investing, like like real estate, for example, too. There were opportunities and I didn't take advantage. And I was like, okay, so now that is 2021 and we've all taken our boats out of the water, I know what to fix now. So for me, that was the aha moment, like, okay. You know, your boat was good. It didn't move as fast as it could move. Because I saw some of my friends who did know, yeah. like, for example- you know, almost everybody's up in the in the market. I think I was up like, you know, 100, 200%. I know people who were up 600, right. a thousand percent. And I was like, ah, no. You know? <laughs> so I'm just like, but you know what? Floods come, like floods are cyclical. Like, like a real flood yeah. in real life, you know, they're cyclical. We're going to be flooded again. So those of you listening right now, pull your boat out of the water and figure out what you have to fix based upon how your boat performed in this last flood, because I'm fixing mine. So I'll be ready for the next one. And I know a lot of people fixing their boat are are focused on on debt. I'm sure you hear this. I hear this all the time. And one of the things you talk about in your in your book at Good With Money is is ways to make debt disappear. And I've heard a lot of people say, you know, what I've learned over the last year, year and a half is I really need to get rid of this debt. I think nobody is like, hey, I love my debt. (laughs) We all want to get rid of it. So kind of a two-parter question for you. You know, the first is like, how can we get a good mindset in the midst of paying off debt? And then what are some ways now that we've, we've taken our boat out of the water, what are some of the ways that we can really ramp up our debt payoff? So... One of the things I want to be mindful of is that debt freedom is a goal, but not the goal, right? Yes. So same thing like financial freedom, like because I think a lot of people focus so heavily on debt, they forget that there are other, there are other steps to financial home that you also have to incorporate simultaneously. So let's adjust that because I've known people who have gotten debt free. Like, for example, my, my nephew is debt free. He doesn't have a mortgage. He doesn't have a car note. He doesn't have a student loan debt, but he's broke. Because he's five. Yeah. And all of our toddlers are just our little broke best friends. Because if debt freedom equals wealth, all of our toddlers would be driving around in baby bellies. Right? <laughs> so I just want to be mindful that although, you know, I want you to work toward debt freedom, but not at the cost of everything else. So that's one. So I want you to think when you're thinking about paying off debt, 
Like you should be thinking about paying off debt as part of a trio. So there's paying off debt as a financial goal, part of that trio. There's saving to get at least to enough to fund your emergency savings account. And then there's investing. That is the trio that debt belongs to. That should never just be thought of of debt itself. And if when you're starting to pay off debt, I like to use something called the snowball method. And so to start, the snowball method is when you pay off the debt with the lowest balance first so you can have early success. So when your debt is low, like under $1,000, you know, then you want to use the snowball method to pay off whatever debt has the lowest balance, pay those off first. And then as your debt gets to be a little bit more expensive, consider switching over to the avalanche method. And this is when you start to look at debt that has the highest interest rate first. So now that you've paid off your low end debt, you're like, okay, now this debt with the highest interest rate is costing me more money than other debts. This is typically credit card debt because you have double digit interest rates. And that means you're adding so much every month. You're like that. You don't pay it off. Then it's just like adding and adding and accumulating. So really attacking that, that high interest rate debt next. But all the while remembering that you should be simultaneously setting aside to fund your emergency savings account. And then once your emergency savings account is funded, then the excess money to go toward investing. Yeah. Because, but before you really go hard on investing, make sure that before you start investing, that your high interest rate debt is paid off. Because what you're going to earn in investing, typically, I mean, we had like a banner year, but that's not typical. Right. <laughs> typically, you're looking at a return of like, conservatively speaking, seven to eight percent. So, you know, if your debt is costing you more than eight percent, you're not likely to out earn that in the market. So I'd much rather you get rid of your 10, 15, 20% interest rate debt, you know, before you go, before you start investing in the market, because you're going to, what you would gain in the market, say, let's just say 8%, you would lose to your debt. Let's just say that's 10%. So I hope that makes sense. So, so snowball first, then avalanche, simultaneously funding your emergency savings account because that's your first line of defense. Once that's funded, meaning at least three months, I always say three months is the starter. Then I want you to look at your industry for your emergency fund and say, hey, how quickly can I replace my income if I lose my job? So my mom, who was a nurse, three months was plenty because even before quarantine pandemic, like when nurses are always in high demand. So three months is literally plenty. My sister, an engineer, she had a hard time finding her first job. It's hard oftentimes for, for women engineers to find jobs. So she, it almost took her a year. So six months or eight months is what she might need to fund her emergency account. And once that's funded, then looking to invest. And when I talk about invest, I'm talking about investing for wealth because you should always be investing for retirement. That's not, I don't care if you have debt. I know that there are some financial quote unquote gurus who are like, don't, don't set aside for anything until you're debt free. I'm like, I've known people who, a woman wrote to me and she was like, um, yeah, I follow this big, big guru that we all know. He's a guy. And he said, don't do <laughs> I kind of know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know. And I would say it broke my heart because she was 50. Yeah. And she's like, I finally paid off my house or I finally paid off my debt. So now I can set aside for retirement. I was yeah. like, oh my goodness. Honestly, I told her, she was going back and forth with me. I said, honestly, I'm not trying to be disrespectful or argue. It's just that there's something called compounding interest. That's when your money earns money on your money's money's money. And <laughs> all the money. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, so it's like you're, you have this lump sum of money and then it earns interest. And now you earn interest on the interest it earned plus the money. Then you earn interest on the interest plus the interest plus the money. Then interest on the interest. So all it starts to accumulate. It's called compounding interest. And I told her that's literally money you can never get back. You can never get back that compounding and the the greatest tool to compounding interest is time. And so you can never be 35 again. You can never be 25 again. And so I told her, I'm glad that you're starting now. But quite honestly, you're starting late. You're going to have to sacrifice even more now. You've been sacrificing all these years. You're going to have to sacrifice even more now just to set aside for retirement. What kind of life is that? I just This is why I say that access component is so critically important. Because you have to have access to other voices in the financial space. So that way, when someone says something that seems off, you notice. Because you're like, eh, that doesn't seem right. Right. Because three other people that I trust and know said the opposite. Let me do some more research. Versus I follow this one person and they tell me all I need to know. If my doctor, like I just had rotator cuff surgery. Ooh. And 
I know. And um, actually have physical therapy after this, right? So so I had rotator cuff surgery, but I went to Dr. Jennifer is my 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 general practitioner. She did not do the surgery. Right? Yeah. She was like, ooh, Tiffany, you know, because I was like, oh, my shoulder really hurts. I can't lift it. She said, it might be your rotator cuff. She sent me for an MRI and said, yep, it is. You need surgery. Imagine her saying, I'll also do that. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> I also got Invisalign. I'll also do your Invisalign because I'm an orthodontist. Oh, and by the way, no, Dr. Jennifer said, I'm going to send you to a specialist. So I have orthopedic surgeon for that. I've got a, a, an orth, a, um, orthodontist for my Invisalign because they understand that there are people who specialize in just that thing. Like my, you know, you're, I don't go to my, my, my accountant to also do, you know, my, I don't know, like my investing for me, you know? And so I want us to think about that when it comes to financial educators, it's okay to have a myriad of people and say, I really go to this person because I know their specialty is taxes. And I listen to this podcast because it's all about career. And this one's all about entrepreneurship. That's okay. And honestly, it's encouraged. Yeah. Wow. Such great advice. I think that really hopefully resonates and sits with people that it's okay to get different voices. It's it's encouraged to have different voices. Well, Tiffany, this has been so fantastic. You have shared so many amazing things of gosh, of everything you've shared, everything that's in your book, Get Good With Money. What's maybe like one money lesson that you just want everyone to remember, like the lasting memory of this podcast, what would that be? If there's one money lesson that I want everybody to learn is that you can get good with money. I promise you that you have the capability of doing so. If you wake up every morning and you take care of yourself, you take care of other people, if you work, if you have goals and dreams, all of these things are harder than basic money management. I promise you. And you have all the capability. And sometimes you just need a little bit of confidence, but you can and you're able. And if you will take one little baby step, then you the next step will just be that much easier. And if you, I just want you to get walking. So yeah, you can, you can, you're able, I promise. I love it. That's such great advice. Well, you have so many different things. Tell everyone where they can find you, connect with your podcast, grab the book, get good with money, all the things. So my podcast is called Brown Ambition. So we're on all the podcasts, like, I don't know, channels. <laughs> I am the budget Nista on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Um, and you can get my book, Get Good With Money, at literally the title, getgoodwithmoney.com. I do have to tell you that my money voice has not always been great. I share so much of a similar story with Tiffany where... I grew up in a family that talked about money, but somehow my voice got all mixed up somewhere in the middle there. And it's one of the reasons that I created the Money Mindset Journal, because I know that I needed a tool to help me recenter my money voice and certainly get a better money mindset. So if you're in that spot, just know that you are so absolutely not alone and that it can be done. You can change your money mindset, your money voice. And you can get good with money. So listen, if you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, share it with your friends so that they can learn this important money advice and lessons as well. Be sure to subscribe and follow the Millennium Money Podcast so you can get all of the new episodes. And you can head right to our show notes for all the links to our episode sponsors and our guests on this show. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com, where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.